something earlier that I truly believe that God is going to perform here today. All of our young people that are the ages of at least 10 and up, you can go back to the Mitchell Center with our youth pastor, Brother Mike. Ages 10 and up, if you feel comfortable going back there, you can. If the parents, I should say if the parents <laughs> are okay with that, you can. Uh, if not, that's okay as well. We have, we have our children practicing social distancing back there um, the best way they can possible, and I praise God for them. So let's do that. First Samuel chapter number 17, we're going to begin reading at verse number 25. I really believe that there is a miracle with someone's name on it today. So there's a miracle with someone's name on it today. So if you need a miracle from the Lord in your life or in someone in your family's life, I believe God is going to provide it today. He's going to do it today. I truly believe that in Jesus' name. 1 Samuel chapter number 17, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen here starting at verse number 25. It says, and the men of Israel said, have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. So here the children of Israel are speaking about Goliath and now that he has come. And challenge the people of Israel, the people of God. And the Bible says in verse number 26, And David spake to the men that stood by, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him and Eliab his eldest brother I want you to take notice on that that somebody in his own family begin to speak the Bible says in verse 28 and Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the man and Eliab's anger was kindled against David and he said why comest thou down hither and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David answered and said unto him in verse 29, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? So I want to preach just for a few moments on that latter part of that verse there. Is there not a cause? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for everything that you have done. We thank you, Lord, for your beautiful presence that is in this place. God, I pray, Lord, that you may speak and minister to every individual here today because there's a reason, there's a purpose. No one is here today by accident, Lord, but by divine presence, divine glory, and divine nature. God, we give you glory. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord one more time. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There was a quote I came across, and I, those of you that are familiar with me, I enjoy quotes. I read them often, and uh, I try to share them with uh, people as I can. And I came across this quote 
that I thought was very fitting. It says, without memory, there is no culture. Without memory, there would be no civilization, no society, no future. I thought that was very appropriate, especially as we celebrate this Memorial Weekend and give honor to all of those that have fought for us. As we know, every crisis has new heroes. During the 9-11 attacks, they were the first responders running into burning and crumbling buildings as others ran out. Now, during this coronavirus pandemic, the most visible heroes are the healthcare professionals who are saving others and risking their own lives while doing so. These heroes have much in common with the people that we honor on Memorial Day, Americans' fallen veterans. They are men and women who have sacrificed their own lives so others could live. They are both elite and ordinary. They are elite in the sense of character. Giving your life so others could live is the ultimate definition of selfless. They are ordinary in the fact that they are that they represent the diverse fabric of our country. They are rich and poor, black, white, brown, yellow, male, and female. They come from every ethnicity and background. In short, they look like any one of us. As we celebrate the selfless and untiring performances of the healthcare workers during the COVID-19 pandemic, it brings to mind the military medics doctors and nurses who sacrificed their lives while treating others on the battlefield. Approximately, they say, one million men and women of the U.S. military have lost their lives in defense of our nation since the founding of this great republic. Not all have died from enemy fire. Some have died from diseases that have too often festered around war zones. Oftentimes, deaths from diseases and accidents outnumbered casualties caused by enemy weapons. To give an example, during the Spanish-American War, 60 soldiers of the all-black 24th Infantry Regiment volunteered to serve as nurses. 36 of them would later die of yellow fever or malaria. A generation later, the flu would kill nearly 16,000 U.S. soldiers in France during World War I. Another 30,000 American service members died in stateside camps. These men and women could have isolated safely in their homes, but they knew they had an important job to do, a mission to accomplish. They were all on a mission to serve. Even when the enemy is an invisible virus or a microscopic germ, the sacrifices made are just as meaningful. This Memorial Weekend, as we continue to honor those who fell for us in battle, let's also pause to remember those who have sacrificed their lives while serving others. I believe it's very appropriate right now to just pause for a moment and give honor to all of those that are sacrificing for you and I. This all brings me to a reminder of the story of Hannah, who was willing to sacrifice the joy of raising and nurturing a child if God would just provide her with one. For she made a promise, the Bible says, a vow. 
she made to God. If you would just give me one baby boy, I will return him back to you. For the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 1, starting at verse number 4, it says, And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife. And to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her. Provoked her. The adversary was not the devil here. The adversary was the person within her own home. Her adversary also provoked her uh, for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, speaking of her husband, Elkanah, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. The Bible then says in verse number eight, then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou and why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Notice what Elkanah says next. He says, am not I better to thee? than 10 sons. It's interesting here how he poses a question thinking that I know why you're suffering. I know why you're hurt. You want to have a baby, a baby boy, the Bible lets us know. But in this circumstance where even the husband tried to overcompensate because of his love and concern for Hannah, there was still something inside of Hannah that where she knew and understood there's something that you cannot even provide for me. For the Bible says that the Lord shut up her womb. So there's some things in your life, there's some things that you and I are going to have to deal with that a husband, a wife, your children, a family member cannot supply the answer. But there's going to be some things that only the Lord can do. It's important to understand that very principle because many of us oftentimes look to people and look to individuals for answers. We are human. That is our flesh. Our flesh likes to see. Our flesh likes to touch. Our flesh, our flesh likes to have a certainty about itself. But there's some things that people cannot do for you. There's some things that people cannot supply for you. There's some things that only the Lord is able to do. And so oftentimes when we're going through crisis situations and we're going through things in our home and in our family that we don't quite understand, I encourage and I want to remind some people here today, before you pick up a phone, before you send out an email, before you type that text message, I challenge you to go to your knees, fall on your face and call upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who has all things in control. Because there are certain things that the Lord is doing with you. And there's going to be things that God is dealing with you about that people are not going to understand. And as much as they try to consult you, as much as they try to love you, as much as they even look in your face and say, it's going to be okay. You know there's something on the inside of you saying it's not going to be okay unless the Lord provides a way. Yes. Hannah understood that principle. 
She knew it, it was going to take the Lord to provide the way. That's why the Bible says, follow me here in verse number 11. It says, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the afflictions of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child that I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. Now, many of you understand the story of Hannah, but I want to speak on it just for a moment that Hannah went into the temple. The Bible says she had not eaten, so she was fasting. She had not drank anything. She was fasting unto the Lord because she was afflicted within herself. The Bible lets us know that she entered into the temple and began to pray. She was so grieved in her spirit that as she prayed, nothing was coming out of her mouth vocally, or at least that you can hear, but her lips were moving. And the Bible lets us know that Eli walked into the temple and marked her mouth. In other words, was telling her to be quiet. What are you doing? He rebuked her in the temple of the Lord because he thought she was drunk. And then Hannah began to open up her mouth and say no I am not drunk but I am a person that is grieving in my spirit there's something going on that I know that only God can help me with the Bible lets us know that as Hannah began to have this exchange with Eli that the Bible says in verse number 17 follow me here then Eli answered and said go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou have asked of him and she said let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight so the woman went her way and now she began to eat and her countenance was no more sad but in verse number 19 I really like this it says and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. What I like here is is that after Hannah has now had the conversation with Eli and now Eli has given her a word saying whatever you are asking God for is going to happen. That I want you to go in peace. The Bible says now she began to eat food and her countenance changed. See some of us after we receive a word from the Lord need to change our countenance. And then after her countenance changed, the Bible says she rose up that morning and began to worship the Lord. What I love about it is is that Hannah began to worship based on a promise. She hadn't received the promise yet, but she worshiped as if it's already happen I appreciate Hannah's spirit why do you say that preacher well let me tell you because oftentimes when we seek God for an answer the answer does not come immediately sometimes God answers right away sometimes there is a while before the answer comes but the Bible lets us know that Hannah didn't wait on the answer to come before she started worshiping God as if the answer was already done what she did was I got up that morning and said if God said it's going to happen then I've got to believe it's going to happen and before anybody else can convince me otherwise I'm going to worship the Lord as if it's already done.
Hallelujah. I've come to preach to a group of individuals here on this afternoon. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you've been praying and fasting for. But this man of God has come to tell somebody that the miracle is on the way. And I just wonder if somebody here today will not wait on the miracle to show up, but you would rise to your feet, clap your hands, and believe that it's already done. Hallelujah. You have to excuse me for a moment. I'm not trying to get you to dance and shout and run, but I'm trying to bring you greater understanding, which will bring about greater revelation. Because if you knew the God that you served, some of you would change your countenance. You wouldn't be walking around here saying, woe is me. You wouldn't be walking around here with your head hung down, but you would rise up and say, I look to the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And if God be for me, who can be against me? So I'm going to praise him as if it's already done. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. See, you may be seated. See, the world does not understand that principle. The world doesn't operate based on that principle. The world does not operate by faith, but they operate by sight. They operate by saying, well, let me see it first. Well, let me touch it first. Now, I am a very visual person. You must understand that those people that had been working with me over these last few months, they know now, you better show Brother Robinson or he ain't, he's not going to believe it. I am a very visual person. So if you try to describe something to me, if I can't see it up here, I have a hard time grabbing hold to it. So they know. They say, you got to show Brother Robinson this is what it's going to look like. And then I'll say, I like that. And then I'll say, eh, let's make some tweaks to that. But I'm a very visual person. And see, the world operates strictly on sight. And so it's important to know that when you have people around you that operate only on sight, then the words that come out of their mouth are strictly based on sight. They are not by faith because the Bible says now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not even seen. So therefore, when you walk by faith, you are walking saying, I know it's there. I may not see it. I may not see it, but I know it's there. It's right around a corner. I don't see the corner, but I believe God's going to make a way because that's how faith people operate. And so what I'm trying to teach someone here today is that that is how your prayer should be. That is how your worship should be. That is how your speech should be. That is how your mannerism should be. That is how your countenance should be. Because when you operate and walk by faith, it is not based on the vision. Hannah was just given a word and she worshiped based on the word. Now, you're talking about an individual where the Bible says the Lord shut up her womb. It has been years. Her, her own arch rival, the own wife that's in the home. Now, you know this is Old Testament because you know New Testament church. That's why they say, okay, a man is to have one wife. Here's this man trying to please two women. 
Now, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can go home to two Sister Robinsons. <laughs> as wonderful and as great she is. I mean, you got to please. Bo- I got to turn here. Okay, which, who's, who's upset? Which one? What's going on today? That's why the Bible says, uh-uh, just one wife. We're going to get rid of this two, three, and four stuff because that's just too much. And that's what he had to deal with. But see, you've got to understand and know that when Hannah was given a word, she worshiped based on the word. And we know that the answer finally came. She had a son and called his name Samuel. In the Hebrew, that means God heard. When you say his name, though, if you were to pronounce his name in the Hebrew native tongue, it is actually pronounced Shemael, Shemael. And Shemael is actually interpreted God or name of God. Shemael is interpreted name of God. So let's break down that word Shemael. For those of you that are taking notes, that is S-H with a little space, M-A, and then L, capital E-L. If we were to break that down, Shema'el, the word Shema means hear, O Israel. So Shema, every time you say Shema, that is hear, O Israel. And then the word El, E-L, is deity or God. So when they would say his name, Shema'el, Samuel, they were saying hear, O Israel, God. And now if you was to go a little bit further, the plural form of El is Elohim. Some of you have heard that before, Elohim. The meaning of Elohim is supreme one or mighty one, the God of Israel. So Samuel was the last judge of Israel. He was the voice of God, the Bible says, all the days of his life. But see, when you do things for God and when you begin to put him first, do you know God turns right back around and begins to bless you? The Bible says it in 1 Samuel chapter number 2, verse number 21. After Hannah gave birth to Samuel, who gave his, her son back to God, the Bible says, and the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bare, look, three sons and two daughters. So even after she had Samuel and gave Samuel back to the Lord, and just in case you don't understand that, she gave Samuel literally to the work of of the ministry so once the bible lets us know that samuel was weaned that she took samuel and put him into the temple of the lord and that's where he was raised in the house of the lord all the days of his life she took no time to nurture him and care for him uh, uh you know during his growing up stages adolescent stages and all those little things that as parents you enjoy those stages as they're growing she had that she had not had that opportunity with Samuel. But God, the Bible says, visited her so that she conceived three sons and two daughters. So God blessed her with more because that's what God does. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So I've come to ask a simple question today. Is there not a cause is there not a cause for the bible speaks of in our text that we read and eliab in verse number 28 his eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men and eliab's anger was kindled against david and he said why comest thou down hither and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness i know thy pride 
in the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Notice that his brother ridiculed him in front of everybody. His own family member. We must be careful because oftentimes those closest to us will hinder us the most. The people that we think ought to support us. Now you would think that as David, the younger brother, as he's coming to the battlefield, he didn't come there by accident. His father sent him there to the battlefield to check on his brothers. He had a little bit of food with him, and he was to check on his brothers. And now here he is saying, what is going on here? Why is this uncircumcised Philistine defying the people of God? And now his older brother, instead of coming to his younger brother's side, saying, you know what? You're right, David. We ought to make sure that we take down this Philistine that's defying the children of Israel. But no! The ones closest to you are the ones that will bring you down the quickest. And now here's his older brother saying, you naughty, you're prideful. Who's watching those few little sheep? You ought to go back to where you are. But David said, now wait a minute, what have I now done? What have I done to you to get you so upset? What's got you all messed up? Is there not a cause for me to be here. We must be very careful because when God is dealing with your heart, honey, you better believe that is between you and God. That is not between anybody else. So when God is drawing you, he's drawing you. Because when you begin to share with other people what God is doing with you, see, that's when they begin to say, do you really believe that? Do you really think that? Do you think God will bring you out? Do you really think that he can deliver you? Do you really think he can bring you out of the ways of sin, out of the ways of this world? You've been a drunk, alcoholic, drug addict, this, that, addicted to sex, marijuana. You've been addicted to all kind of sexual sin and perversion, molestation. You've been, a, you've been hooked on all these things pornography all your life and now you think God is going to do something your husband your wife they've been out in the world been out in sin you really think something's going to happen now do you really think that see the ones closest to you will hinder you the most but when God gives you a word that word is for me and my life and it doesn't matter what anybody else says about the word that God's tell me but I've got a spirit of Hannah when God gives me the word I'm going to worship when God gives me the word I'm going to praise him. When God gives me a word, I'm going to magnify the name of Jesus. Because that's what the devil wants to do. He will use anybody and anyone at any time. <laughs> Woo. I'm telling somebody there's a miracle with your name on it. <laughs> But you've got to have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You must have faith to believe that it is for you. David said, is there not a cause? Is there a reason for me to be here? Maybe I wasn't sent here. Maybe my father sent me here just to check. But maybe there's a greater purpose for me. My father sent me here just to see how the battle was going. Father probably didn't even know that he would be the conqueror of the battle. But he's sitting there just saying, check on your brothers. Make sure they're okay. And David shows up the only one with faith. Right. 
David had faith because he had also conquered previous battles. See, when you've never been through a battle before and you've never been brought out of a battle before, it's hard for you to believe that you can get through this battle. But when you've been through some storms and when you've been through some hail, when you've been through some high water, when you've had some pain and God has brought you out, when you face your next battle, you can look back and say, I fought a bear, I fought a lion, and God delivered me out of them. I know God will deliver me now. Do I have anybody in the house of the Lord that can look back over your life and say, look what the Lord has done, and you believe God for the battle right now? Hallelujah. They didn't understand. They've never been through some battles by themselves. See, he was talking to a group of warriors that were used to fighting a battle together. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different ball game when you've got five, six, seven, eight people going to battle, yet alone thousands going to battle. But when you all by yourself, like David was out there with those sheep, and you've got a battle that's coming up against your sheep, what are you going to do? It's a whole nother story when the enemy comes and attacks your home and you by yourself. It's a whole nother battle when you're facing different things in your face and there's no one else there to fight the battle with you. Uh huh. If you haven't been there, my friend, you're going to be there. If you haven't been down that road, I know it's hard for you to understand. But there's some of you here today that are in that battle right now. I feel it in the Holy Ghost that you're in a battle right now and you feel like you're all by yourself. And I'm here to tell you, you are in the physical, but in the spirit, you have no idea. There is a God and there is an angelic host that is fighting on your behalf. You may not see it with your physical eyes, but I'm here to tell you in the spirit, there's a battle going on. There's a war taking place. There's angels fighting for you. There's a God that's sitting in heaven saying, I'm with you. Don't give up. I've come to prophesy to somebody. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. You've come too far to give up now somebody clap your hands and magnify the name of Jesus if you believe it hallelujah well I feel God in this place I'm getting ready to close I feel God in this place I feel God in this place I feel like I shouldn't have to say anymore I feel like God's ministering to some people right now. If you feel the spirit of the Lord, come on. You ought to rise to your feet, lift your hands. I feel God. God's in this place. He's in this place right now. He's come to meet somebody's need. Come on. He's got a miracle with your name on it. I feel God in this place. Jesus. Come on, I feel God in this place right now. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice. If you believe that God is here for you, that miracle has your name on it right now. In the name of Jesus. 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 Name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, if you would just have the spirit of Hannah Come on, let that spirit of Hannah just rest over you. You may not see it, but I believe it. You may not see it, but I'm going to worship in advance. God, I believe you're the deliverer. 
you can bring me out. God, you're the healer. You can heal my mind. God, you're the healer. You can heal my heart. God, you're the provider. You're the way maker. You're the heart fixer. Come on, in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, he's here. His presence is here. Come on, the deliverer is here. He got up in the name of Jesus. Come on, I dare somebody. Come on, step out by faith. Come on, step out by faith. Move from where you are. Find a place to pray. Come down to this altar. Call on the name of Jesus. Have an altar right where you are. Come on, call on the name of Jesus. He's here. He's here. He's here right now. Right now. Right now. His presence is here right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. Come on. Don't stop. Don't stop. The Bible says Hannah rose up early in the morning to worship. Well, I'm here to tell you today is your morning. Today is your morning. Now is your morning. Open up your eyes and realize today is your morning. Rise up and worship God. Turn it over to Jesus right now.